We have two Bible readings this morning. The first comes from 2 Timothy 4. Paul is in prison and is certain that imminent execution awaits. Where do his thoughts turn? Self-pity? Anger? Or something deeper? And our second reading comes from Psalm 90. Moses, the man of God, is getting his perspective right. He's lining up his horizons so that he gets God and himself and his community all in perspective. How should we live remembering that we are gorgeous, but only briefly gorgeous? Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth, and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is seventy years, or eighty, if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days aright, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. 
Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, gorgeous. Yes, you, seriously, you. You're a design classic. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're gorgeous, really. You're a miracle of divine design. You're also broken and imperfect, just like me. And today, we're going to focus on the fact that our gorgeousness, which is a real thing, is fleeting and temporary. We are not immortal. We fade, we break, we sag, we wear out. We know this, but we furiously deny this. Common experiences remind us that we are only briefly gorgeous, but we still deny it. We hear the cry of a newborn and we feel elated and old and nostalgic all at once. We see a star-filled night sky and we are overwhelmed by our tiny insignificance. We weep at the death of a loved one. We can't help but think that one day it will be me in a screaming ambulance or an ITU bed or a coffin. We gasp at the sight of a single grey hair, or do I mean silver, or less hair. But it's only older people who go grey or, or bald. We now live daily with news reports of disease and death, and the fear of our own death is one of our government's weapons of choice to keep us well. As Christians have been singing for at least 700 years, in the midst of life, we are in death. To whom can we turn for help but to you, Lord? Let's start by looking more closely at Psalm 90. In this psalm, Moses ponders some of the biggies of human experience, the eternity of God, not only that he is forever, but that he is good and faithful forever, and the fleeting and fickle nature of we briefly gorgeous human beings. Let's dive in. In the first two verses, Moses describes and celebrates the eternity of God. God was there before the mountains, before the rivers, before the entirety of the physical universe that we can see and touch and smell and feel and hear. God has always been. He always will be. But more than that, God has made himself known as faithful, as true, as interested, as committed to us as people, which is remarkable given that from God's perspective, our 70, 80, 90 years are a brief twinkle of intensity followed by nothing, like we'd see the life of a mayfly, here one day and gone the next. Like we'd think, man, it must suck to be a mayfly to have so little time to experience the wonder of the world. That's how God should see us. There's a very logical follow-on 
from contemplating the eternity of God. And Moses doesn't disappoint in verses 3 to 6. If God is faithful, we are fleeting, we wither. We came from the dust, we go back to the dust, and as we saw last week, we are literally becoming dust every minute of our lives. To dust you shall return. Moses' key image is the image of grass, and it's repeated elsewhere in the Old Testament that we flourish like a flower of the field, that we are here one moment and gone the next, that we are like the morning mist. We're used to grass being a bit more permanent in our northern European climate, but there, in the heat of the desert, a blade of grass could burst forth strong and verdant in the morning and be withered in the evening, burnt to a frazzle by the strength of the sun. We know this in theory, we know it's true, but we run from living with this truth. We pretend God's truth and life are ephemeral and weak and blown by the wind, and it's we who are the immortals. Who are you trying to kid, you gorgeous, fleeting thing? But that's not all. God is faithful, we are fleeting, but we're more than fleeting, we are fickle too. This is the theme that Moses takes up in verses 7 to 9. Not only are we pinpricks of life compared to the colossal eternity of God and our universe, we are also arrogant and greedy and willful, obstinately putting ourselves in the place of a holy, faithful and everlasting God. It's, it's all rather pathetic. A right response would be one of terror and foreboding that we dare to stand against the everlasting one. Moses then heads back to our fleeting lives in verses 10 to 12. A good score would be 70 or 80 at close of play, maybe 90, maybe even a century. But that is still nothing in the light of eternity. It's the, it's the brushing of a wing against a mountain of granite. What we need is wisdom. To see ourselves in the light of eternity, to weigh our insignificant selves, in sight of his holiness and power. We need wisdom because we so easily assume that we are here forever. So Moses closes by returning to the faithfulness of God. We need his compassion and his love. He's made us gorgeous, but we need his love and wisdom to flourish as he has intended. And his thoughts turn, as I so often do, to legacy, to what we leave behind. For some, there is simply denial, trying to live longer by ever more desperate means, or trying to make our deeds and reputation outlive our end. For others, this should logically be about the faithfulness and goodness of God. We are briefly gorgeous dots on his timeline. Therefore, our most fitting legacy is to do our best to make sure that the next generation sees the glory of God and the brevity of human flourishing as clearly as possible. I wonder whether your legacy and my legacy is on track to be about attempting, but of course failing, to preserve our own good name. Or will it be helping others to see the glory of God? As we finish, let's eavesdrop on St Paul right at the end of his life. He's writing to Timothy, a younger man, 
he's worked with closely over the years. Paul is so sure that his death is imminent that he describes it in the present tense. I am already being poured out, he says. He's in his 60s now, but it's not ill health or old age that will take him out. It's execution at the hands of Emperor Nero in Rome. In the films and books, such knowledge brings great clarity. In normal life, it often paralyzes us with fear and anxiety. The time of my departure is at hand, he tells Timothy. The ropes have been untied. The ship is ready to sail. I am good to go. Rage, rage against the dying of the light, says Dylan Thomas. Makes sense in a world without God, because without God, death is a disaster and we should resist it with all our power. But not so for the Christian. Our brief gorgeousness does not give way to nothing. We pass from the shadowlands to the real thing. We receive the crown of righteousness from our King Jesus, the righteous and the generous judge. Our brief human gorgeousness deepens and matures and blossoms into something permanent and mature and powered by the faithful and eternal God. And Paul too is thinking about legacy, just like Moses. The only legacy that makes sense is the passing on of the baton to a new generation of Christian leaders who can preach the word, help people to see that God is faithful. We are fleeting, we are fickle, but also that we are called to glory. A glory that means we will look back at this earthly life as shadowy and insubstantial, overwhelmed by a real and lasting beauty and heavenly gorgeousness. During lockdown, funerals have had their own special poignancy, but there's a great truth and power in our funeral service. Listen to what will be said at my funeral and at your funeral. It gets this whole eternal God, fleeting, briefly gorgeous me thing absolutely spot on. We now commit his or her body, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our frail bodies that we may be conformed to his glorious body. You are briefly gorgeous, but you are frail. You have a best before date. You're destined in the love of Jesus to be eternally gorgeous and loved with a new body that won't sag, wither or fade.